Hold my hand, Doctor. Try to see what I see. We're so lucky we're still alive to see this beautiful world. Look at the sky. It's not dark and black and without character. The black is in fact deep blue. And over there, lighter blue. And blowing through the blueness and the blackness, the wind swirling through the air, and then shining, burning, bursting through the stars. Can you see how they roar their light? Everywhere we look, the complex magic of nature blazes before our eyes. I've seen many things, my friend, but you're right. Nothing quite as wonderful as the things you see. Welcome to Into the Time Vortex podcast, talking about Doctor Who. We're talking about an episode, Vincent and the Doctor, 2010, 10. 2010 um, Matt Smith, Karen Gillan, yeah. and Van Gogh, by Richard Curtis. Richard Curtis. I am Ken. Jeff. Scott. Julia. And Vincent the Doctor, um, it's okay. I liked it. <laughs> it's okay. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. It was one of the best new Doctor Who episodes. I'll say that right now. <laughs> I thought it was great. Yeah, I love it. I like it. Plus, I, I, was, I studied fine art in school, so it's like I've always, I've known, you know, of Van <clears throat> Gogh. For such a long time that it was cool to actually see someone portray him in a Doctor Who episode. So, it's a win-win for me. I do have negatives about it, so I'll start with those. <laughs> Alright, let's get to the negatives. Okay. First off, we should call this it, didn't bother me the, it didn't bother me the last time I watched it, but the first time I watched it, I felt like it was like... It was too much like, is Van Gogh still alive? And are they doing this for him? Because... They, they pounded in the fact that if you don't like anyone else in history, you got to like this guy because he was the best, and they even brought him back or brought him into the future. And it really was like, like um, what's her name? Amy is like a big fan of him, and it's like, really? I, I mean, I'm not a fan of artists per se. I've heard of these artists. I've, I've seen their work, but... Okay, she's a fan of Roman Empire, right? That, that was one of her other little... Maybe she's a historic... But she just seemed like... Every time there's someone in, in the Doctor Who universe and they see someone from the past, they know everything about them. I was like, oh yeah, I studied them in school. It's like, Amy doesn't seem to be the type of person who would have sat there and studied. But and I just felt like they boosted him up so much that it's like, oh my God, I better go to the to the to all the art and see his artwork because it's fantastic. And I thought it was just too much... Um, like almost like fanboyish, like oh, yeah. there he is, you know. And Plus, like in the art world, I mean, there's so many talented artists out there, past and present. Um, I, you know, I really appreciate his work, but like when they said, you know, I, in my opinion, he's the greatest painter that ever lived. It's I, I think that's too much, you know. Well, art is very subjective. I mean, I love Van Gogh's work, but I. <clears throat> you know, other people might not like it. I think I think his stuff is great. I like his use of color. I like it better than Monet, who's the other big popular impressionist. Um, and I think it's subjective. I, I don't like Hieronymus Bosch, because I think his paintings are creepy. 
I don't like Picasso because he's weird, so, you know, and yeah. I think it's just, it's a matter of opinion. It's like any kind of artwork, you know, yeah. music, yeah. anything. So, anyways, I threw that out there. I don't know why. It's, it's just kind of, it was kind of like, really, it's a little bit too much. Like Shakespeare, it seemed like every time he would quote something, and again, maybe it's my education, I don't know every Shakespeare story. I don't know every quote. If, if, I, if someone were to name a quote right now, I wouldn't know what that was from. But everyone seems to know that in Doctor Who. Yeah. No matter what the character, they're like, oh, that's, you know, are they that well-educated? And yeah. I feel stupid watching it because I feel like they're just kind of like, you know, like Stephen Moffat saying, well, this is one of my favorite authors, so I'm going to really boost him up and make him seem like uh, the best ever. And I, I felt it was a little too much, but yeah, again, it's a minor problem. But it just, it did bother me when I was watching. I was like, oh, okay, I get the point now. You know? I, I also don't like when they take a historical character and then the doctor and his companion are dropping hints like, oh, maybe you should do this or do that. Like, oh, like oh maybe you should paint sunflowers. And then that sort of discredits the artist for their own, you know, their, up their own original their own ideas. creations. You know, like H. T. Wells didn't come up with anything original because he took it all from from the timeline. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Shakespeare, the same thing, and uh, uh, Tr uh, Charles, Charles Dickens. Dickens. Charles Dickens. I mean, they they all you know, and, and I get it. It's funny. It's a jokey thing where they get influenced and stuff, and it's happened in the classic series, uh, not as much as the new series, but um, so. Anyways, let's. So overall, I think we all like this story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's sad. I mean, the, yeah. the whole the whole story is sad. The yeah. alien the is lonely alien. Yep. and scared, and they kill it. And I, I am fond of parrots, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. I also wanted to uh, point out that um, this wasn't um, a Stephen Moffat story. It was written by Richard Curtis. Yeah. So it's good to like. I always seem to like the non-Moffat stories better. So it was when, when he's produced it, yeah, 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 oh yeah, I agree. So it's it, I was I was liking it, and then I look back and realize, oh, that's because it wasn't written by him. And, so. and, and then so you you understood then. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no wonder it's good. And who was that that uh, well-known actor that played the um, the tour guide at the Bill Nye? Thing? Bill Nye, that's what I thought. Uh, I really like him as well, so... Yeah, I love him. He he was Slarty Barkfast in the Hitchhiker's movie. <laughs> oh, that's right, he was. He was in Love Actually, too. He's hilarious in Love Actually. Uh, I think that was his best film, was Love Actually, where he's the... The, the aging rock aging star. Aging rock star. Isn't better than Shaun of the Dead? Where he, <laughs> where he goes, I will perform naked if my song becomes the Christmas number does, one. Does anyone <laughs> know where they filmed this episode? Like, because a lot of times... Outside. You know, it was, it was I, I mean, like, they didn't actually go to Paris. No, it wasn't this part when they were in, like, Czechoslovakia. Cause they filmed... That was the outside of the Musée d'Orsay, wasn't it, though? No, that was in Cardiff. They built the museum set in yeah, Cardiff? Yeah, huh? it was in Cardiff. Good replica. I remember yeah. seeing the the uh, people who took the pictures of... The filming pictures, you know, outside in Cardiff. Oh. It was out in Cardiff. They just took some museum, old-looking building, and... That's what we did. I see. I, I thought there was a lot of good stuff in this. Um, it definitely has some sad moments to it. The at the end, it, it's just like it it layers the sadness on one 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 right on top of each other, and you're kind of like, okay, okay, 
Like, oh, no, no, not that, you know. Well, especially with Amy towards the end where she thought she, you know, tried to change it. Yeah, and, and you know, he still died, and it. she's yeah. just devastated. And like I said, when a girl's eyes tear up, I start to really lose it because it's like, <laughs> oh, I don't want... And then she walks, the music and everything she walks into and sees the flowers, and does the real artwork have an Amy? Do Amy no. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Do you think someone will eventually go in and change that? Like, I think it's been done on print. You can <laughs> did, um, did the doctor ask him to use a Sharpie marker and put this as a fake? Yeah. No. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes is when he wants to show them what the creature looks like, so he just takes one of his paintings and just starts painting it. That's awesome. I don't know if that's an existing painting that's like that survived in real life, but oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know much about um, the art world. I love the guy who played Van Gogh. I thought he was great. His yeah. Tony Curran, yeah. his name is. Yeah. We've seen him in other things. Wasn't he in uh, Being Human, the British version? He's been in a lot of things. He's, he's in, Every uh, time he shows up, I'm like, I know that guy. He's in, he's in Defiance. If anyone watches Defiance. Defiance, he plays one of the aliens in Defiance. He was in something else, too. He played a... He ended up getting killed. He was like a bad guy. Type gangster type thing. I forget, I forget which what it was. He dies in this one too. Yeah. Well, off screen. Well, off screen yeah. You see him again later on. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you think? Well, how yeah. do you feel about the doctor bringing him to the to the present? I thought that was awesome. I thought, I thought it was great. Because I think that would influence him. Like when he goes back to his own time, he would be like, "Oh, I've got it made. You know, I'm gonna." You know, well, and then up not yeah. killing himself. It, it ties into what you said about what did he do? You go around and go, oh no, now I got to paint that. I got to paint that. I got to paint that. I'm coming up with all these ideas. Um, you know, if you get picky, you go well. But if you knew he was going to die like in a month or something like that, maybe it's okay to do it. But it was a little awkward. But it was a. I think it was a good moment, but I'm kind of like, what's he doing this for? I don't think he really would have mattered because he was mentally ill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it didn't cost yeah, yeah, they, they would. It would be, you know, upsetting the the time continuum and stuff like that. And now they take a lot. They're more liberal with their storylines, uh, with you know breaking the laws of time and stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah, and also like, um, you know, um, in his lifetime. You know, they hadn't really, they didn't really know a lot about mental health issues and stuff, so it was kind of sad in a way to see someone suffering. Um, people still suffer today, so. I like the alien. Uh, it really wasn't important to the plot, other than just it was there. The idea that it was invisible, and of course the doctor's sitting there fighting it off, you know, even though he wasn't even near it, you know, he's trying to battle it, and it's over on either side, already knocked out, or, or gone, or whatever. Yeah. That was a total metaphor for mental illness, the alien. You can't see it. Oh, yeah. Vincent was the only one who could see it and fight it. Yeah. You know, and he's the one who has the mental illness. It was mm -hmm. a complete metaphor for yeah. mental illness. And then in the classic series, like... They always utilized a lot of invisible monsters for budget reasons because they couldn't afford to make it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas now, um, it's a plot device because you know you're going to eventually see what it looks like. Um, right, yeah. Like, don't reveal the creature right away. Let, you know, make it suspenseful. This is an example of, like, you know, people sit down to watch it and all the kids are enjoying it because there's an invisible monster, but maybe other people are watching it because they like the progression of the development of how they are interacting with Van Gogh and, and getting, you know, learning about his character and stuff like that and his 
you know, how he kind of flies off the handle at one point or another. But, you know, some really good stuff for that. And I, and I, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Amy, but there's a couple of episodes that she's really good in. This is one of them that I thought she was really good in. You know, she's kind of flirty at the beginning and then, you know, toward she's the flirty end. all the way through. Well, yeah, but... Well, so was he. Was she married by that point to Rory? No, Rory no, was dead. he was she, she dead and a doctor at a, a racetrack. Oh, she, so she was, she was on the market. Because there's a point in the, where they're in that church thing where he goes, Amy, Rory, and she goes, who? Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, because you're he crying meant. or something, and she's, she subconsciously remembers him or something like that. But. Well, it didn't stop her from flirting with guys all the time. No, and herself. But <laughs> well, she wanted to. I, I don't to like the doctor, that. like when Rory was still around. Like when yeah. they got, you know, I, I don't like that part get... of the uh, that aspect of the character. But I think this one was a little seemed more natural. It seemed to be it was okay, it was okay, I guess. But um, my favorite scene is when they were looking up at the stars. Mm. Um, and the to a painting. Yeah, that was my favorite scene. Yeah, I really like that. And I remember watching that going, okay, this is an episode that's a, above a lot of the other ones because of the things that it's doing, you know. It's trying to be a little bit different. It's not being crazy. How many characters in it? Not many. Yeah. You, know, right. you don't have really four, just... 40 characters running around going, ah. You know, the comedy is good, you know, and that goes back to when Russell T. Davis was producer, I didn't want to see any of his episodes. I loved it when other people came in because they were usually better. And now it's the same thing with Moffat. Mm -hmm. you know, he's leaving. Well, and, and then so now we have someone else to complain about. Thirteen more to go, though. Yeah, we got to go through another thirteen. Come on. Mm -hmm. well, as long as there's um, Maudet Cyberman in it and the Ice Lord, screw that up. Mm -hmm. They already did because every Cyberman's practically in it, and they can fly. What? They could fly before. No, not the Mondes segment. What are you talking about? The Mondes segment. Control. So every segment is in this. Why? Because it's a, it's a Moffat story. That's why there's. The oh, you're just making that up. No, I've seen pictures of you've three seen different flying. Okay, and then you've seen flying. And then they fly. Yep. Okay. So I won't be watching next season. Okay. So, anyways, um, yeah, I thought the imagery was really good. Obviously, it's a it's about paintings. It's it's a visual story and. Even though the monster is invisible, <laughs> but uh, that's some really good visuals and stuff. And yeah, I like the sets. How they look like uh, they, you know, look like his paintings, like his bedroom and the and the cafe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was that was nice. Yeah, that was neat. Yeah. Some really good stuff. Really good performances. And I thought, um, you know, Matt Smith was really good in this. So it elevated the good script and the good idea. Elevated. Well, it's because they added like a good. Writer, that's why. Yeah, it elevates everyone, and I think that's true. I mean, in any situation, when you have a bad script and the actors just know it's bad and just don't put as much into it and stuff, and this it seems to be, you know, one of the better ones. I think that's why I'm looking forward to Chris Chibnall taking over, because mm -hmm. the the stuff that he's done with Broadchurch has been really, really good. This season of Broadchurch is amazing. Yeah. It's really good. I have to watch that. I never watched it. Watch Add season it one. Don't watch season two. Watch <laughs> season one. Add it to my list of things to watch. Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, you know, maybe on paper this one didn't look like it was going to be that good because I'm not a biggest fan of historicals, and I'm definitely not a big fan of when they meet up with historical characters because usually it's and. You, I'm not the biggest fan of think of the ones that have that they've done that with. This is probably the best one. 
because the rest of them is kind of like Charles Dickens, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. I like Charles Dickens, but... I thought this story would have been, because Richard Curtis was going to be funnier at first, because he wrote Blackadder, Four yeah. Weddings and a Funeral, you know, mm -hmm. Bridget Jones' Diary and all that stuff. But he actually did it serious with a little humor in it, which was... Yeah, I, which was different than what he normally does. I don't remember the scene, but there were some really funny moments. I thought they were quality funny instead of just having constant, like, I should say slapstick, but then the, when the doctor's trying to battle the uh, the monster, and, you know, just the way he kind of puts the stick down, like he knew, and he had a lot of good lines, too. He usually does. He has some really good lines that are so quickly delivered that you're kind of like, oh, wow, that was really good, and then you're on to something else, and you forget about what he said. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the episodes that I recommend to people. Yeah. Watch this if you've never watched Doctor Who, watch this episode. Because then you'll like it. Yeah, it's some really good stuff. Anything else? Okay, thanks for listening. <laughs>